Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends, God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in. Well, welcome back to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am so excited that you are tuning in today because I have my friend Melinda Patrick on with me today, and you are going to be so encouraged by her and her story and her practical application. So welcome, Melinda. Ren, it's it's just so good to be here with you. I love any time I can spend with you. Uh, I love you. We have definitely a connection. And we met about a year and a half ago when we were on Instagram, as, as we do after the pandemic or before the in the pandemic. And Melinda has an amazing podcast called the Even While Podcast. It's amazing. And I was a guest on there last year and I had such a great time. And y'all, I'm telling I don't say this often. She's a wonderful interviewer. She is wonderful of how she asks questions and she's great. So definitely tune in, not because I was on it, but definitely tune in because she has amazing things to share with uh, you from her guest and from her wisdom that she's walked through. So Melinda, tell us uh, in like 30 seconds, tell us a little bit about you and what you've been doing the last few months specifically. Oh my goodness. Okay. The last few months, uh, let Well, let me think about this. I've been traveling and speaking, which is just been really fun to be able to get back out there face to face and, Mm -hmm. and not have a computer between like, we're (laughs) actually able to hug and look one another in the eye. And that has been a great joy of mine the last few months. And then we, you know, we're just coming out of Christmas started into this new year. So we have a lot of time with family and friends and that right now is really bringing me life. Just, just having those connections again, mm. those real life face-to-face connections. I agree. I agree. Melinda is an excellent speaker and podcaster, like I mentioned before, and she's also a wife and mom and a grandmother, and she does not look old enough to be a grandmother, but that's okay. And, uh, <laughs> she, uh, she is such a, a kindred spirit to me. So I wanted her to come on the podcast and share Her story, specifically her story from 2021, because there was a, she says a plot twist in her life. And so you're going to want to hear that, but let's go back, Melinda, let's go back when you walk through a devastating time back in 2007, when your husband at the time, Michael came to you and said, I don't want to be married anymore. We're just going to dive right on in because there's so much about your story I want to get to, but how did you walk through that time when it was a a divorce that you did not want? Well, it was a divorce I did not want. It was a marriage I fought hard for. Mm. I know God was fighting for that marriage as well. And, you know, it, it goes back to that, that stinking free will. You mm. know, we, we can do the right things. Uh, I remember not long, it was probably within days of my first husband, Michael, leaving and I just remember saying, God, I, I don't know what happened. Like, I thought I was the Christian wife I was supposed to be. I fasted. I prayed. Mm-hmm. You know, I went down the list of all the things that I thought I had done. And at the end of the day, it's it's free will. 
And so that's when I just had to begin to really lean in into the Lord and say, okay, God, this is where we are. And, and how do I move forward from here? And in the midst of me keeping my head above water, I also had two teenagers. I had a 13 year old and a 16 year old that I needed to keep their heads above water. And we had just moved into a new home, our, our dream home, actually, Michael and I had designed the home. And, and so now I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this home. I have no idea what the future holds. I have box. I mean, Ram, when I say we just moved in, I mean, we just moved in. Uh-huh. Basically, we moved in and the next day he left. And so I'm sitting here with boxes unpacked in my home. We didn't bring much into the home because we wanted a new start here. And so it's when you look at God and say, God, I I don't understand. But as I sat with him through that, uh, there's a scripture in Job that said, it's the breath of the almighty that gives us life. Hmm. And so I just remember that that whole summer because it happened in June of 2007. I just remember spending so much time in the word. In fact, I ended up taking a short leave of absence from work. And I remember even at work after I had gone to work, it would be like, okay, I've been here two hours. I need to have just a moment to get back in the word again, because that's the only way I could focus. It's the only way I could breathe in that time. And I would take scripture verses and I had index cards on my windows, my mirrors, in my car, everywhere I was of just the promises of God. Just, I just needed to be reminded that God, God was with me and and with my children and I needed community in that time. And God gave me an amazing community during that time. In fact, one of my best friends during that season, her husband had just left two weeks prior Oh, wow. So one of the greatest gifts God gave me in that was us being able to walk through that together. Mm. Yeah. Someone else that understood that was right there in the midst of the pain with me, even though it was her own pain, we were able to share that together. And so it was community. It was staying in God's word. I, I entered back into Christian counseling and, and having someone there just to help me walk through that, that storm in my life with not just what I wanted to hear, but that counselor was there to tell me what I needed to hear. Mm. And those things right there were so important to me. And they just began to bring healing to my heart in that summer. And it, it took quite a while. Our divorce, it took, was three years before our divorce was final. And I think when I look back, you know, the name, the title of my podcast is the even while podcast living life waiting well. And I look back in my life and God has had me in a lot of waiting seasons, but, but that was one season that I just did not understand, Mm. but God showed himself faithful through that. And he was, he was protecting me in that time also. Mm, What do you mean by that? Well, I look back and we're going to be honest here, right? Um, because when Michael left, I was, you know, at first you walk through the hurt, but then you walk through the anger, you know, grief has those five, mm-hmm. five stages. You have the, the hurt, the anger, the, um, the depression, the bargaining, 
and then the, okay, God, that it is what it is. You're just walking through that acceptance. But when I got to the anger stage, it's like, okay, that's fine. If, if this is what life is like, if this is what, you know, is going to happen in my life, then I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to get the next Christian man. Mm. But God knew that I needed time to heal, that I needed time to understand that he was my perfect husband, Mm. that he was my provider, that he was my protector. And so I look back at those three years and, and I didn't understand him in the moment, but God used it to, to strengthen me, to grow me up, Mm. to open my eyes to who he is, to walk in a deeper intimacy with him and, and to protect me. And, and so I look back and I'm so, I'm so thankful now Mm -hmm. for that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you say that it was a divorce that you didn't want, did he give any reason why, or was it just, you know, he just left and you had no idea. We had had struggles for many, many, many years. And I had been in Christian counseling prior to that. And actually the day he left, he, we didn't even have an argument ran. Mm-hmm. He was leaving to go out of town uh, for work and he left and walked out the door and he turned his phone off mm-hmm. and something in my spirit. I just knew, okay, this, th- is, this is so, th- this is not right. Something's going on. And um, it would be a few weeks out before we, we realized what was, what was going on. He had, he had a whole other life set up and, and had had that set up, but, you know, I look back too because we had just moved in, in our home. So the kids and I didn't have any memories of him here. We didn't have good mm. memories, but we also didn't have bad memories mm. and we didn't have the, the struggles. We didn't have the fighting, all of that. And, and even though we had had a very difficult marriage, I felt like we were moving into a season where things were about to change. They just changed in not a way I was expecting. (laughs) Right. Right. But, but um, so it was expected, but yet at the same time, it was very unexpected. Hmm. And so after that, you, y'all continued moving in and Mm -hmm. were you already working so that you had the income that you could Mm -hmm. provide for you and your kids? Yes, I was already working. I was working four four days a week. I had been working with a uh, cardiology in cardiology uh, for almost twenty. Well, at that time, I had been working there almost fifteen years, okay. and I worked four days a week. But it's funny that you bring that up, Ren, because that summer I just, like I said, I just really dove into to time with the Lord. Even though I had had a walk with the Lord, I knew what a quiet time was this just really um, caused me to spend so just time in the word that I never had before. And I ended up taking a leave of absence just to get my head together and, and um, work just process through things when life just turns upside down like that. And so at the end of that leave of absence, I really felt the Lord impress upon my heart to when I go to work to ask for less time, it made no sense to me because we still didn't really know where my, where my husband was, where Michael was. Mm -hmm. Uh, We weren't, I wasn't assured of him continuing to, you know, provide financially, but yet I knew in my spirit that God was saying, go in and ask for less time. Mm -hmm. And so 
when I got to work that that first day back from my leave of absence, I remember I walked in and I was going to go straight to my office manager's office and and say, hey, this is what I really feel like needs to be happening in my life right now is, you know, is um, our office able to, you know, give that, give this to me. But when I went in, she was waiting for me and she wanted to see me in her office. And as I sat down with her, she said, you know what, you've been here with us so long, we know what you're walking through. And so we want to offer you a full time job with benefits, with with everything. And so Ren, I sat there, I knew walking in what God wanted me to do. But then all of a sudden, I thought, oh, God, are you sure this is what like they're Mm -hmm. offering me security They're Mm -hmm. they're offering me, you know, everything that, that I need right now, but I knew the only place I had peace was asking God for, or or asking my company for less time. Wow. And so I sat there before her and I said, I, you're going to think I'm crazy, Mm -hmm. but I'm actually going to ask if you will cut my hours Mm. to where I'm just working three days a week. And, and she just kind of looked at me and she said, are you sure? Like, do you understand what's going on. You, you do understand that your husband has left. You do understand you're a single mom. And I said, I, I understand that. And I know this makes absolutely no sense, Mm -hmm. but this is the only place I find peace. And she said, well, let me talk. I've got to talk over management about this and see if it's something we can offer you. And I'll get back to you. I went back to my office, Ren. I closed the door and I just started bawling. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, God, I just jumped. Mm -hmm. I just, I just took a huge leap of faith. I don't know where the money is coming in. Mm -hmm. I don't know what my tomorrow even looks like, but I know that the only place I have peace is, is, is following in these steps of obedience. And I said, I jumped and I'm going to trust that you're going to catch me. Mm -hmm. And they ended up coming back and saying, yes, we'll, we'll give you just the three days of work. And I was able to enter into Bible study fellowship because of that. Wow. And I took the next nine months. I felt like God was calling me to a time of fast, not so much of fasting from food, but every Wednesday, that was the new day that I, I had off. And, and every Wednesday, I felt like God was saying, I want you to give me this whole day. I know you've given me your life. But, but on Wednesdays, I want it to just be me and you. So I would get up in the mornings, I'd get my children off to school and go to BSF. But I felt like it was supposed to be a day of silence where I really positioned myself to hear his voice. So I didn't listen to the radio. I didn't turn the TV on. I didn't answer the phone. And so I'd go to BSF and I would come home and I had a red chair. I actually still have the red chair at the time, but I would sit in that red chair the rest of the day until my children came home from school later on. And every Wednesday looked different. Some Wednesdays I would scream and cry. I would be so angry and hurt. Some Wednesdays I would just curl up and sleep the entire afternoon. Some Wednesdays I would journal 10 pages. Some days I just spent the whole day in prayer. But every Wednesday brought a deeper healing to my heart. And at the end of those nine months, I was invited to a day retreat and I I went to the day retreat. It was just from nine to two. And 
the Lord met me there in such an amazing way. Even, even though I've been spending this time with him over the last nine, 10 months, God really met me on that day. And as I came home that day, the Lord said, Melinda, what, what you just experienced, I want you to offer to other women. And Ren, I would not have known the importance of silence and solitude and spending just, just getting lost in time with him. If I had not taken those, that nine months of Wednesdays wow. and just watch God heal me. And so in October of 2008, we're into the next year now in October of 2008, I opened my doors and began to allow women to come to my home and just have that extended time of, of quiet and silence and solitude with, with God. And to, to this day, I've opened my doors now to over 300 women wow. just to come in. Um, but God knew what I needed and he provided for me. I had to take that step of faith. It was very uncomfortable. I know my coworkers questioned me, you know, do you, do you, are you mentally okay? Are you stable? But yet God met me. Mm. And not only did my step of obedience um, open the door for him to work in my heart, but I look back now and that step of obedience paved the way now for over 300 women to just really come in and learn what a quiet time is with him. Mm. And it's continuing to pave the way, like all of that and taking that solitude and that stillness that we don't want to and don't really feel like we need to. And so I think that is so important that you learned during that time. And I'm sure he provide monetarily for you financially for you in that time as well. You know, Mm -hmm. seeing that that's amazing. And it shows us how obedience does precede blessing. And it, and it really does that Mm -hmm. God wanted you to obey, even though it does not make sense to anybody, you know, it didn't even make sense to you how you were like, okay, (laughs) this is what I'm doing. Um, but how God has blessed that at that time and that healing of that nine months for you. And then to extend that open invitation to all these women that have come through your house. That is unbelievable that I didn't know that is, that is amazing. Okay. So throughout that time where you were called out to really walk by faith and not by sight, like really (laughs) we're going through the chronological Bible um, CBT ministries has a chronological Bible series. And I've been walking through that and it's amazing how many times it's, that is probably the biggest truth that I have gotten from that is all the walking by faith and not by sight. And so I think your story really, um, beautifully illustrates that. And so we're going to go a little further in your story because it's not over yet. And, uh, take us back a few years after your divorce, the three years of that divorce where you were healing and, and, uh, and take us back through the time of what was life like as an ex-wife and also take us back to when you met your husband, your second husband, your husband now Ron and how y'all met. So take us in like 30 seconds to 60 seconds. What did that look like? And then marrying him. And then we'll get to the part about what happened last year. Okay. Uh, So I walked through a lot of healing and there came a point where I was able to finally really forgive my, my first husband, Michael. And it was in the summer of 2012 that I was introduced to Ron, my husband now. We had mutual friends set us up 
And so the backstory that real quick is he reached out to me, wanted to see about having dinner. And, you know, I was, let's see, I was five years single by now. Mm -hmm. And I was just in a good place in my life. I was working in ministry. I was teaching Bible studies. I I had a full life Mm. and I I wanted nothing to do with dating or Uh anything like that. And so he kept pursuing me, not, not in a way that was stalking, but just, just gently pursuing me. And so finally I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go have dinner with you. I'll meet you somewhere, but I want you to know it's just to appease my girlfriends, Uh you know? And so I met him for dinner. I actually even took my own money. And when I (laughs) sat down there, I said, okay, first off, uh, you need to know this isn't a date. I'm going to pay for my meal. I'm here to appease my girlfriends, to let them know that they're not the ones that always have to, you know, be social with me. <laughs> and so we ended up talking for almost six hours that night wow. and the, and we were married five months to the day. Oh, after that. neat. That so is I did allow him to pay for my meal that <laughs> night, just because God showed me in that night, just our conversation that even if he paid for my meal, Um, It wasn't so much that he was trying to buy me. That's just the the man he was. He would have paid for my meal regardless of who I was. And I God just wanted me that night to really respect him for who he was as a godly man. And so he paid for my meal and we were married five months later and he's, he's been paying ever since, (laughs) but look, I do have to go back and eat that some. Oh, sure. (laughs) Um, But Michael and I, my first husband, we had become friends and um, I have worked through forgiveness of him with him. And so in August of 2020, he was diagnosed. He had, he had had bouts of cancer on and off for a few years, but in 2020 of August, they, the doctors told him that the cancer was back and they gave him six months or less to live. And so by now our children are in their mid to late, late twenties, and they begin to move into that caregiving position for him. And so as it, got closer to the holidays. I just would begin to take meals over there. He doesn't live. He didn't live too far from me. So I would take food over there, run errands, whatever I could to to help my children during that time. And it was in January of 2021 that Michael called Ron and wanted to know if he could speak with him. Hmm. And so Ron went over there and spent, spent some time with him. And in that time, Michael asked Ron if he would be okay with me helping him walk out and helping him make some decisions in the final days of his life. Hmm. And so when Ron came home from that time with Michael, we, we spent some time together in prayer. And we really felt that God was not just calling me to minister to Michael and my children during that time, but God was calling us as as a husband and wife Mm. to minister to Michael and to minister to our children. And so it was just a a matter of days that Michael sent me a message and said, Hey, can you, can you come over? I, I, I want us to talk. And even though I had been going over spending, spending time with him, I knew that something was different. Hmm. And when I got over there that day, he, um, he said that he had 
receive Christ into his heart. Mm. And he just began to confess and repent and asked me for forgiveness. And we talked, we were able to talk, we were able to extend forgiveness to each other because, you know, there were some things in our marriage that I didn't do right either. And I needed to take responsibility for my actions. And God gave us the opportunity to just really spend time in prayer that day, um, taking, you know, the mistakes that we had made before him and allowing him to, to work something different in the generations to come. And it would be over little did I know over the course of the next few months, not only would I would, would I help him make those final life decisions, but I would actually become one of his primary caregivers. Mm. And I look back and it was it's probably one of the greatest gifts besides salvation that God could have ever given my children. Mm. They were able to not only hear me say that I forgive their father or have their father um, forgive me and us, and us walk in that reconciliation, but they were able to watch it flesh out Mm. as I took care of him and um, right there with them. And so uh, when he he took his final breath, he he closed his eyes on April eighth and or April 9th. and when he opened his eyes, he was face to face with Jesus. Mm. And God allowed me and our two children to be there with him, wow. and to to walk through that as a family. Mm. And I I don't take that gift for light um, for granted. Because I know that it's very rare what, what our family had in those days. And God was faithful. God was so faithful in, in the midst of the pain and the heartbreak. Because, Ren, it was those three years just walking through the divorce. I mean, it, it wasn't just, it wasn't easy. There were some messy days. There were sure. some crying in the floor. There was some anger. There was a lot of venom in me that I needed to you know, that I, that I had that was coming out and thankful for Christian counseling and those kind of things. But, but God took that, everything that I gave to him, all those ashes, he did turn them into something beautiful. And I believe it's just a, um, the testimony, uh, what, what my first husband, what Michael left for our children in the generations to come, it's, it's the gospel lived out. You know, God, God worked forgiveness. God worked reconciliation. Um, God saved him and, and allowed us to witness all of that and to be a part of it. Mm. It's incredible. And I think about your husband now, Ron, and just the grace that he extended to allow you to go over there and to allow you and your ex-husband, Michael, and your kids to be um, the caregivers. But then I think about you and all of the pain that you went through in those three years. And even before that, of walking through the divorce, but how it was God in you. It was God in you and Ron to extend that grace and to allow God to move and to work um, I think it's very selfless when I hear about your story. I think it's very selfless because you're not thinking about how it's going to affect you or anything. You're, you're just poured out like a drink offering. That's what I think of 
what was it like going through that? Was, was there, was there any part of you that was still struggling? Like, I don't know. I I don't know if I can do this. It, It was hard. And I, I have the greatest respect for Ron for allowing me to walk in there and to, to care for Michael at the level that, that he needed and to be there for my children. We did it together. There had to have been a lot of communication between us, a lot of prayer. And we knew that that was something God called us to do, not just me. Mm-hmm. And there were many people in our life that did not understand and could not understand why Ron would allow me to go in and, and take care of Michael in that capacity. But yet, you know, that's okay. We, because we live to an audience of one, which is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not responsible for what other people think or how they, what their opinion is. I'm only responsible to what God has called me to do. And I love that quote by Dr. Charles Stanley. You know, he says that our responsibility is to obey. It's God's, you know, and then we leave all the consequences to God. Mm -hmm. And, and so Ron and I walked through that. We knew it was going to be hard looking back. It was more difficult than I expected, Mm -hmm. especially after Michael had passed away, because I think in the moments, you know, I'm just doing what needs to be done. And then we had Michael's service. He had asked me to plan his service with the children. So I I planned the service. He had asked me to speak at his service. And so I spoke at his service. I actually, a few weeks before he passed away, him and I recorded him, him talking and sharing his testimony. And so I played that at, at his service and seven people gave their hearts to the Lord. Wow. And so I walked through all of those hard things, but it was after that, that I think the, the wave of grief just really Mm. came over me and it was a struggle for me. I'm just going to be honest. You know, I, I had grieved when our marriage fell apart, you know, in 2007, But now I looked and I was like, okay, God, you just gave me the husband Mm. that I had been praying for, for over 30 years, ran up, prayed for his salvation for over 30 years. Wow. And God answered that. Mm. But then sometimes we question, okay, God, why now? If Mm. you could have opened his eyes now, why didn't you open his eyes 15 years ago? Mm. Why did my family now have to walk through all of this? But that's when you have to realize that God is God. There are things he's going to do in our lives that we don't understand. And that goes back again to that blind faith that God calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. And that summer of grief, as much as I had pressed into Jesus, the first summers of 2007, 2008, and 2009, here again, I found myself pressing into God again mm. and saying, God, I, I don't understand. But what I have found in here is I have found another deeper level of who you are. I have found a greater intimacy with you. And it was difficult on, on my marriage with Ron. Um, again, I, I have the, the greatest respect for him because he allowed me to grieve that summer He didn't try to say, I'm here. I don't understand what the big deal is. 
he gave me my space to grieve in that summer, but yet he also came alongside me and we were able to talk. And I look back now and our marriage is so much stronger after walking, walking through that. And it's something I, I, when I walked through the divorce, you know, I had a girlfriend who was walking through it with me. I knew of other women who had walked through divorce, but even to this day, I don't know of someone who has walked through what I have walked through. I, I don't have someone who I can pick up the phone and call and say, Hey, I know you walked through this. What, you know, what were your feelings here? What did you do here? Right. And so I have really had to press into God and God has given me everything I have, I have needed in this time. And again, he's brought a greater depth of communication to me and Ron and, and he strengthened our marriage and he's allowed me to, to um, understand another level of grief mm-hmm. in this. And I've come to realize that he's faithful. He's faithful. And even though I don't understand, God, God is here. He's carrying me. He's carrying us. And, and God, God is, he's good in all he does. And I don't want to just say that as in a, in a Sunday school thing, because I didn't, okay, God, I don't, and I know you're good, but I don't understand where you're good right now. Mm-hmm but God only gives good gifts and we, and we just have to keep pressing into him. And one of the things that we do that I learned last summer in grief, we don't like, we don't like the feeling of grief. We don't like the pain. And so we just want to turn, we want to walk off. We want to fill that time with things that feel good, but I needed to ask the hard questions. I needed to be okay asking the hard questions, but I learned that once I ask the hard questions, I don't get up and walk away from God. I sit there in the midst of that and I wrestle it out with him, mm-hmm. just like Jacob wrestled it out with God. And I stay in that ring with God. And that's where I come to know him in a way like I've never known him before, because I've come to learn that God, everything that God allows us to go through, it's because he's wanting to reveal himself in a greater way. We want to be known. We want to be known. We want to be fully loved. But God wants to be known too. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for those people that are willing to ask the hard questions, that are willing to stay in the ring. And say, God, I don't understand, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get up and leave. I'm going to keep wrestling this out with you because you're going to win in the end because my heart is submitted and surrendered to you. And I'm, I'm watching for you. I want to know you like I've never known you before. And he does that when we choose to not move, when we choose to not ignore the pain and just to, to sit in that with them. And so I let, I learned a lot about grief that I didn't know last summer. Wow. And you would have thought that you would have learned a lot of that. And you probably did in those three years of grieving your marriage, but then how this is one step further and how the Mm -hmm. Lord has so many, his ways are not our ways. And he wants to, to carry us along and he wants to comfort us and he wants us to draw near to him. And Mm -hmm. so I, your, your tagline in your even while podcast is you can flourish in life, even while, and I, you talk about the beautifully hard. So I want to ask, how can we maybe some practical steps of how can we flourish in life, even while we may be walking through the beautiful hard? What mm-hmm. would you say? I, I think if you're in the beautiful hard, you can start right where you are. Mm. 
start pressing into God. I have, um, I, I can get it to you, Ren, if you want, but oh, yeah. I have a download and it's, it's a great way of just beginning. It's learning how to just sit and meditate on scripture, just sitting mm. in the quiet with God, because I learned after I opened my home up to women that a lot of women, even, even those who have been raised in the church, we don't know how to get quiet with God and we don't know how to sit and have a quiet time. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that would be the first thing is just practicing some, some silence, even if it's just five minutes a day, maybe you're on the way to the grocery store. I encourage you get in the car, don't turn the radio off and just sit in the silence on the way to the grocery store and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing here, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask that you honor my, my silence and that you prepare my heart, my heart to hear you because you know, people can tell us all kinds of things. I, I, I right now could speak to you as a woman who is in the midst of hard mm-hmm. and your heart might be encouraged, but when God speaks to your heart, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so learning how to sit in the silence and just being okay with the silence and him giving him permission to speak, but maybe you're not in the heart right now. I would say the very first thing to do is begin practicing the presence of God. Mm. Um, I, I look back now and I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I began living out spiritual disciplines, silence, solitude, fasting, prayer, Bible study, um, scripture memorization, the um, spiritual discipline of celebration. You know, there's so many worship personal worship and corporate worship. And if we can begin to implement those in our days, when in our life, when our days are mundane, then when that tragedy or when that hard time comes, we're not going to have to scramble with what do we do? We're just naturally going to begin to fall into the rhythms that we've already been living. And God is going to show up and he's going to strengthen us. It's, it's just like my husband uh, last summer, our school zones had put up new cameras. And if you went by too fast, they'd, they'd send you a ticket. Mm-hmm. And so he got a warning. It was the first time. And then uh, that was probably toward the end of the school season. Well, then I remember one year, uh, one Sunday last summer, all of a sudden we hit that school zone. And I thought something had happened to the vehicle because I mean, it just drastically slowed down. And I thought, okay, I'm not sure what's going on. And finally I looked at him and I said, is something wrong with the, with the truck? Because we're like barely moving. Hmm. And he said, no, we're going through a school zone. And I said, Ron, it's Sunday and it's summer. There is no school. And he said, yes, but if I practice slowing down every time I come through this zone, regardless of the day, then when school is in session, I will never have to worry Mm. about getting a ticket again. Wow. And it just hit me. That's what spiritual disciplines do. When we begin to implement them in our lives, even in the mundane days, even when life is great and we're on top of that mountain. Yes. When those hard season comes, we just keep moving in that rhythm of grace that God has established for us. Yeah. And we know what to do. We don't have to scramble on how do I pray? I don't know how to read the Bible. How do I meditate on scripture? We just keep moving. We just keep abiding in Christ. And as we abide in him, his word says that we will bear much fruit. Mm. And so that, that would be for the woman that life is good right now. 
start a, start start in those rhythms of spiritual disciplines. And for the woman who is in the deep hard right now, sit where you are, give God the silence, give him permission to speak and just move from there. Mm, that's good. That's really good. And a visual, a good visual picture for us in that. Wow. I want to know from you is what did God teach you the most, even while, even while you were waiting uh, in the grief from your marriage being over back in 2007 for those three years. And then even while you were caregiving for your ex-husband last year, what is the, the most important qual- character quality that God taught you about himself during those even while times? I would say that he is faithful. Mm-hmm. He is 100% faithful, even when we don't see it, even when everything seems to be going the complete opposite, he is faithful. And I think the biggest thing I learned is that the call to die is the invitation to live. God calls us to surrender, but out of that surrender, life comes. Life comes not only for us because we're now walking in the freedom of Christ, but we are then able to be extensions of Jesus Christ to other and offer life to them. And so what looks like God asking us to die to our rights, to our plans, to our dreams, to to whatever is out there, that call to die, God is actually sending us an invitation to truly live, to live that abundant life. Mm -hmm. I think that's an excellent point to to end on because of the fact that you have lived it. And that's what I have. I love that your tagline is flourish in life even while, and I I love it so much because I know that you have lived it and you are continuing to live it. So that's beautiful. Hey, Melinda, tell us where we can find you online, because I know there are women out there that want to connect with you. And so tell us how we can get in touch with you. And I definitely will put that, uh, tell us how we can get that download. And I will also put the link in my show notes. So tell us where we can find you. Okay. So I am Melinda Patrick speaker over on, on Facebook and then on Instagram. I, I think I'm M Patrick. I'll have to look that up, but I'm on Instagram and I know you and I are friends, so they might could find me through you as well. And then, um, I have a website, melindapatrick.org. It's under construction right now, but, um, but there are some good things really, uh, coming up there. And then of course I have my podcast, the even while podcast, I have taken a few months off just to spend with my family and us to walk through, through this, but I am getting that started back up in two weeks. That's excellent. Yeah. It's an incredible podcast. Y'all will want to check it out. And on Instagram, it's Melinda H Patrick. Okay. So thank you. you. I need to write that down and put it in front of me. <laughs> no, we don't know our own. Like people are asking, I, know. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm on there. Just find me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So of course, every episode I ask my guests, what are they eating, reading, and loving? And so I want to know what you're eating, reading, and loving. Okay. So what I'm eating right now, I am addicted. We have a, a restaurant not far, just the block from our church and they make jalapeno pimento cheese. Oh yeah. I cannot get enough of it. Mm. So almost pretty much every Sunday after church, we're uh-huh. going over there. I'm grabbing me some to, to, to eat on through the week. So that's okay. my favorite thing right now. What I am reading, I just read a delightful book. Okay. So it's not a Christian, your Christian self-help book or anything like that. 
but it's by Patty Callahan and it's called Once Upon a Wardrobe. Oh. And it's a delightful story. I'm, I'm going to read it again. I just finished it. Okay. I'm going to turn around and read it again. But it's wow. on, you, you learn a little bit more of the life of C.S. Lewis, but it's written in a historical fiction novel type. And yes. oh my goodness, it, it's, it's uh, caused me to dream again. Something mm. I probably haven't done since I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And mm. I don't know. I, the only word I can think of is delightful. It just makes me so happy. And this is the oh. same author that wrote Becoming Mrs. Lewis, right? Yes, I wrote. I read that book as well. And it is very good. Okay, yes. that's great. Okay. All right. So what are you loving these days? What am I loving? Okay, so I took piano lessons from the time I was probably five up until maybe 17. Then I stopped playing the piano. I have not played the piano in over 30 years. And in November of this last year, I picked that. I didn't pick the piano up, but I started (laughs) playing again. Wow. I I just love, I'll spend maybe 30 minutes to an hour every day, just when Mm. I'm home, just, just playing the piano and just relearning. And I'm really amazed at how God has like fast tracked me from not playing for 30 years um, to to where I am today. And I'm just, I just love sitting there spending that time playing. I've been playing through the hymns. I've been playing classicals, whatever I can get my hands on. So that's really given me a lot of joy right now. That's neat. I like that. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Melinda, for sharing your story, for sharing your story and opening your door for women to come in and to teach them and for you to living it out and not just saying it even while, but actually living it out and living the joy of the Lord. That is our strength that you are, are walking that out. And I appreciate that so much about you. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you for giving me a place to share God's story and offer hope to others. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me for today's show. For more encouragement, hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.